A big thanks to Microsoft for sponsoring this episode of iFreaks to promote the App Center, a continuous integration delivery and feedback suite of cloud services for Swift and Objective-C apps. With App Center, you can automate your iOS and macOS development lifecycle, build, test, distribute, monitor, and push to ship five-star, high-quality apps faster and with confidence. Building a development pipeline in your iOS apps has always been a challenge, but with App Center, you can get started in minutes. Simply connect your GitHub and Bitbucket repos and build in the cloud, test on thousands of real iOS devices, distribute to beta testers and Apple's App Store, and monitor real-world usage with crash and analytics data. As a fully modular suite of services, you can pick and choose the service you need and connect it to the tools you already use. Sign up now on appcenter.ms and spend less time managing your app lifecycle and more time coding. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 240 of the iFreak Show. Today on our panel, we have Andrew Madsen. Hello from Salt Lake City. Guy Rambo. Hello from Brazil. And we have a guest today. Please welcome Marine Todorov. Hey, 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 everyone. So, Marie, we brought you on to talk about Realm. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you got involved with it? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, I really liked Realm from the very start when it was announced and released on on GitHub. Uh, That was, I don't know, maybe two, three years ago, three years ago. Well, sometime just shortly after Swift was announced. And there was only an Objective-C API. Uh, It was a long story. They had a lot of betas with testing with real real users and so forth. So the whole, I think the whole process just enchanted me. Um, you know, how open it was and how, you know, they, they got um, the code out there very early and and really like shaped the API with like based on feedback on GitHub. Um, so I really liked the whole process, right? Uh, because before that I used other databases and and those were very kind of like, here here it is, you get it use it um, if there is a bug, report it, but, you know, that's it. Uh, and and Realm was very flexible and very agile about um, this process of improving the product, so I really liked that. I really felt like uh, it's, a, it's a product that, um, you know, I can base an app on and, and not be left alone to wait whether an issue is going to be resolved or not and, and so forth. And, uh, yeah, started using Realm. Um, and then I also... Uh, was an iOS developer evangelist for Realm for for a little while. Uh, that was a really great project for me as well. Uh, I, I launched interesting stuff and I got to know a lot of people. I got to talk to a lot of Realm developers too um, and, and, and gathered a lot of this kind of like view of what people want from the product and so forth. Um, and that will bring us around to also other other topics that we're going to discuss today. But uh, I think that's in short. I, I, I just liked it, instantly liked the product, used it, uh, and then contributed to it as well. Okay, well, that makes sense. We should probably step back a little bit. I think a lot of our listeners are familiar with Realm and what it is, but can, can you give us a high-level description of what it is and who uses it? All right. Um, yeah, of course. So if you've never used Realm, Realm is a uh, database um, that is designed from the ground up uh, for present day applications. So it's not a it's not an iteration of, of another database. It's not really it's not a product that is somehow wrapped around another database engine. It's it's its own database engine that's been designed to answer specifically the needs of of mobile developers uh, and or or present day uh, apps. And so it has not only 
it doesn't only like store data and retrieve data, but also has this reactive feature. So uh, your apps are very, uh, you know, fresh and they can react to any changes. Uh, there, there's a, a built-in multi-threading strategy in the database, uh, as any present-day app needs to have, uh, and so forth and so forth. So, so this is this is pretty much uh, what Realm has. So they have two products. One is the database, and the other one is is a is a, uh, a server solution that then helps you to synchronize uh, between different clients. And so it just runs that natively on top of the database and helps you sync data across. Um, iPhone, Android, uh, TV, or what have you, many different platforms. One common misconception people have of Realm is that it's just a wrapper around something that already exists, like SQLite or something. So I think it's important to highlight that, that it's not a just a wrapper around some other database. It's actually its own database and you have the, the core functionality, that's the, the storage itself. And then you have the bindings for different operating systems and platforms like iOS, Android, and so on. Yeah, indeed. I, I think that this happened because I think from the very start, when, when, when Realm was trying to you know, shape their message, specifically on their website and also in the documentation and so forth, um, they, they just wanted to have this like short message to let people know what is it. And they were always saying that it's a replacement for SQLite. And somehow people thought, okay, it's a, you know, it's, it's something that is, that is, has to do with SQLite. And I think that, you know, created a little bit of confusion around that. So how does Realm compare to, you know, existing options, SQLite, core data, that sort of thing? Right. So, well, Core data is is a wrapper around SQLite, so um, it's not really a database in itself per se. It's it's a it's an ORM that runs on top of SQLite. So the actual database is, is the SQLite, um, and and so SQLite is is a is a database that uh, first of all is an SQL database. So you have these tables, and then you run these queries towards the tables and then you query them for the data you want to have and then you 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 fetch back these lists of data that you know are, are what you wanted to have in first place so it's kind of like a this kind of like question and answer question and answer so you always like say hey can you give me this kind of data then the database like searches through the whole thing and fetches what you need and gives it back to you so it's always um um Kind of based on your initiative to to want some kind of data out of the storage. Um, Realm, on the other hand, is a is not a SQL database. Um, it does not have this kind of like SQL queries in there to uh, make make uh, questions and get uh, data back. It's uh, it's an actually an object graph. So um, you would have some kind of objects in your app in your code. And those objects are stored directly with their data on disk, and then you can get them back uh, in the same in the same way in the same format uh, back in your code. So uh, you don't have to transform them in any way. You don't have to make queries and so forth. Uh, whatever you have in memory, just dump on disk and then get it back in the same way. So so this is kind of like the biggest difference in there. Um, and and of course this comes from the fact that you know SQLite powers pretty much everything that is that it's around us, right? It runs on your Mac, 
it runs on your phone, it runs on it pretty much everywhere on the server, uh, on, on clients, on your TV probably. Maybe soon it will run on your vacuum cleaner. It just runs everywhere where there's some kind of a Linux in there. Uh, so it just answers everyone needs. While Realm was specifically designed for, for mobile apps, um, and so they didn't need an SQL language. They didn't need to query um, you know, this data storage all the time. They just needed to have some objects, being able to store them and get them back as they were, and that's it. So kind of like this is, this is the biggest difference, and this is how these two uh, diverge in what they do because they just answer kind of like different people's needs, if that makes sense. Okay, a very cool aspect of the Realm objects is the fact that they're live objects. So if you change a property on an object, uh, everywhere that you have a reference to that object is going to get updated immediately, even if you change that from even another process. Can you tell us about that, how, how that works, the, the live object aspect of it? Um, sure. Um, so yeah, this is, this is true. What, what, um, what you're saying is, is, is true. One of the things that, um, basically the realm team taught is a kind of like a standard need for mobile developers is to never have stale data, right? So you should never be, you know, showing data on screen that is old, um, in the sense that, you know, it's been updated on disk, but you haven't updated it on, on, on the screen or in your UI or in your processing pipeline and so forth. So um, how this works is that Realm will take care to track any changes that are being committed to the, uh, the Realm database file. And that does not really, um, that does not really, is, is not really limited to only your app. Um, it means that Realm tracks changes also from other processes. So, uh, you know, if your app has an app extension, like a Today extension or or an or an uh, iMessage extension and so forth, uh, these are different processes, right? And the that are running on the on the OS. Uh, and so, any of these processes, any place in your app, any thread, uh, when they ever commit a write transaction to the file, then each of these instances that are that are talking to the file will get notified about this change. And so whenever um, your local Realm instance in your code will get notification that a change has been committed, then Realm will take care to refresh all objects with the latest data for you automatically. Uh, and does that in the background, it does that uh, using the, uh, the Apple's run loop class. And so um, all this data is being refreshed in the background for you automatically. So anytime you um, access your objects, then you will have you know, the latest text or the latest number or the latest whatever you're storing uh, in the database. Um, does that give like a clear picture how this is happening? Yeah, More sure. <laughs> okay. So I had a question. When you were describing Realm, you mentioned two things. One was a strong multi-threaded story, one was a strong uh, reactive thing. Is this what you mean? So you can update your object on any thread and have it and have like a different view controller or a different thread um, update with the data? Yeah, yeah, so like a, like a usual, like a, you know, like a pretty normal use case in a, in a, in a mobile app will be that, um, you know, for example, you will have a list of items that are showing on screen. So you have your table view controller in there. 
Um, and then somewhere in the background, like in a different part of your app, there will be some kind of a networking controller or an API controller that will be uh, fetching you know new data from the network repeatedly. And so these two things, um, when using Realm, uh, these two classes, the, the table view controller and your API controller don't need to know in any way about each other because um, in your table view controller, you will have you know, your code that just loads uh, the list of items stored in your Realm and shows them on screen. Uh, and then in your API controller, which is somewhere completely in a completely different place in your code, um, your networking code will only you know, fetch data from the network and store it to the Realm file. And so Realm will uh, then track these changes in the background uh, and then notify uh, all interested parties about these changes. So, you know, you can keep your code completely separate and leave all this inter, inter, inter-yerk, inter-class communication to, to the realm. And then, of course, you will get a, a detailed information about what has been changed, uh, have new objects been inserted, or maybe some, some have been updated and so forth and with their precise indexes. So uh, it's really easy, just a few lines of code to update a table view and, and show, you know, what's been added or or delete the rows that have been deleted uh, and so forth. Okay, so if I'm writing my my table view code, I've, I've got this Realm object, how do I get notified that something is updated? Right, so you will have um, it, it in your view to load, for example, or you know, view will appear, um, doesn't matter, uh, whatever you've, you find that fit, you will have, you will just load uh, the objects that you want to show from Realm, you'll say Realm, Give me all objects of type tweet, for example, um, and then store this in, a, in the in realms results um, object, and then you will add um, on that collection of of objects. You will call the method called uh, observe, and then you will provide a closure, uh, and then you just can lay in your closure whatever code you want to have uh, to react on each change. So Realm will call your closure anytime there's any updates and it will provide in your closure the exact um, indexes in that collection that have been inserted, updated, or deleted. And you can just apply these changes to your table view or you can just reload the whole table view just any way you want. Uh, you can update uh, the UI and the data will be already updated. Your only task is just to update the UI because the data is always you know, giving you the latest the latest uh, data from disk. Okay, tell us a little bit about the the React results object. Is that a, a class we define? Does Realm create it? How do we give it like our our model information, like user ID, email, that that sort of thing? Right. Um, so there's there's few classes. Um, you know, talking to talking to to people at events. Uh, you know, sometimes. I've I've had people complain that there there are new classes that need to learn about to use Realm, and you know this. It, I think it's normal. Like every framework has few classes that you have to master before you can use it in full. Um, and so results is one of these classes that you have to really master because before you can make um, you know full use of Realm. And results is just a uh, random access collection that um, is also a generic collection over over a type. So it behaves 
and it, the API is really similar to an array. Uh, and so you will say, in this results class, I want to have all objects that are stored in my realm that are of type person or of type tweet or whatever type you have. Um, and so results will give you uh, random access by index or you can iterate over it or, you know, any any old way that you're used to access your collections. Um, and um, it will basically give you the objects as you store them on disk. And the magical thing about results is that it will actually only hit the disk uh, and read the data whenever you actually access objects. So the interesting thing about results is, you know, if if you have 10,000 object stores in disk, um, results doesn't really load them from the disk. It just tells you there are 10,000 objects, but that's, that's all it will tell you. And then if you actually read the first six of them, then it will hit the disk, grab those six objects uh, and give you the data. All right, and so if you have 10,000 objects stored on disk, uh, results will not load these 10,000 objects into memory. It will just tell you that there's 10,000 objects. It will give, just give you the meta information. And so if you just want to load the first six of these 10,000 objects, this is when results will actually load Makes sense. It's, results has been designed to answer the needs of developers that use collection views and table views, because usually in a table view will have, you know, on average five to ten items on screen. Even though, if if your um, collection contains thousands and thousands of objects, and so results has been designed to keep the memory footprint low, uh, and and your app really agile about its resources. So this is sort of similar to faulting in core data. Right? Yeah, it is. It is. It is very similar in concept. Um, it does keep the memory low and only loads objects when you actually need them. And the difference between a realm result and just a regular array is that the result object is is that live thing we, we mentioned before. So it's always up to date with what's on the database and it's going to change when the underlying data gets changed. Uh, even if you have a filter applied or something, it's going to update accordingly, and that doesn't happen with an array. Yeah, of, of course, because you know if you compare the results class in an array, um, you know, let's say you're you're fetching you know a list of people from SQLite, you say, hey SQLite, give me the list of people I need, and then you will take this data and put it into an array. This means that you will duplicate. The data from the disk into your memory and then you will work with the copy that is in the memory and so this is why um, you know you have high memory usage uh, if you are using large collections and also there's the possibility to have some data in the memory that is stale means that it can be updated already on disk but uh, if you didn't really reload again the list into memory then you will have all data with the results class since it does not copy you know the whole collection from disk into memory it actually always access the latest data which is you know straight from disk so this is this is how how this works and this is how you know the the main difference is between the two approaches okay i had a question about what you actually receive from the the results object you mentioned it can be a, it's of a type your person your tweet can that be a plain old NS object or a plain old Swift object, or does it have, have some realm magic mixed in there? 
Okay. Um, sure. So you will um, you will define your data models to be classes which subclass from realms object um, root class. So as soon as you inherit from object from realms object, then you know you can pretty much do everything else in your own code. So any properties you define um, that are from the supported uh, data types from Realm will be then automatically persisted on disk whenever you, um, you know, use the Realm API. So um, in your, you know, person, person class, you will have a first name, last name, age, whatever, or relationships with other objects as well. Uh, maybe lists of objects that are, you know, um, if, if you're a person class, then maybe you have, you know, a collection of friends, hopefully, and then these are also other people themselves and so forth. So you can build all these graphs just like in memory uh, and then just persist them directly onto disk. But you have to um, inherit from the uh, from the realm root object class. And um, for example, in the Java API, uh, you can only you know adapt a protocol and then it works automatically. But I think that for Swift, um, you still need to inherit from the from the root class. Um, and some solution that is based on protocols, I know that it has been discussed. I don't know if it's in the works or it will come soon. A big thanks to Microsoft for sponsoring this episode of iFreaks to promote the App Center, a continuous integration delivery and feedback suite of cloud services for Swift and Objective-C apps. With App Center, you can automate your iOS and macOS development lifecycle, build, test, distribute, monitor, and push to ship five-star, high-quality apps faster and with confidence. Building a development pipeline in your iOS apps has always been a challenge, but with AppCenter, you can get started in minutes. Simply connect your GitHub and Bitbucket repos and build in the cloud, test on thousands of real iOS devices, distribute to beta testers and Apple's App Store, and monitor real-world usage with crash and analytics data. As a fully modular suite of services, you can pick and choose the service you need and connect it to the tools you already use. Sign up now on appcenter.ms and spend less time managing your app lifecycle and more time coding. Okay, that makes sense. I think Java has a little bit, is a little more forgiving with some runtime stuff, so it's probably easier to do than uh, than Swift in that case, where you don't you don't have that much runtime foo you can perform on it. But uh, well, uh, uh, things are changing. Like like Swift is becoming more and more dynamic. So I I wouldn't be surprised if I don't know by next year we can actually already do this um, relatively easily. Because all, all Realm needs to do is just to, you know, see the list of properties and their types uh, and then just read that data and store it on disk. So, um, you know, it looks like Swift is becoming more and more dynamic and still in a safe way. So, um, you know, I think it's still a possibility. Uh, maybe next year. Who knows? Oh, that'd be cool. I want to go back to something you said previously. You talked about Realm being an object graph. Uh, an object graph. Now, Apple goes at length to say core data is not ORM, not a database. Core data is an object graph also. Um, first question, what is an object graph? Because we just use it as a database and that's how we think about it. And how is the Realm version of an object graph different than the core data version? Um, right. So an object graph will be a structure in which objects point to each other uh, directly. Um, by using some kind of pointers. Uh, and so you can traverse that graph uh, really quickly, right? So um, if you have a relationship between um, 
as I said previously, there was a person uh, that has a collection of friends, and these are other person objects, uh, obviously. So in an object graph, you will have the person object just having direct pointers to the other uh, person um, objects. So by some kind of a, some kind of a pointer. So when when this is persisted in memory, so when this is stored in memory, um, this pointer will be obviously a memory pointer. Uh, when things are persisted on disk, then there will be some kind of a different uh, pointer which can uniquely and very quickly identify a, a different object. Um, and so um, this is the difference that in an object graph you can traverse it and you can follow these. Um, you know any relationships, um, just like you will do with uh, with objects in memory, uh, and this is very useful um, in many situations. And in so this is different than a standard, let's call it database, uh, in the way that in the, in a standard database um, you will have these flat flat lists of data which are referring to each other again by IDs. But you need to uh, make these connections via the query language that just does not point directly to to a record. But you need to, you know, go through these proxy tables in between and so forth. Just adds adds a, adds a level of complexity um, to the process that that also slows it down considerably. Um, and and an object graph is really good for, you know, exactly what I said: just following relationships and and building uh, um, this relational structures and an SQL SQL database is really good at other things for example at indexes and querying so whenever you need to to fetch lists out of the storage uh, this is this is then this is the power of the of the SQL databases uh, but they're somewhat slower at following these 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 uh, relationships um, did that cover all of the question I kind of like got got carried away and I forgot what was what was the what was the end of the question? <laughs> Sorry. No, that was good. I was mainly wanted to know, you know, what an object object graph is. Um, yeah. A side note: Are there other databases that are object graphs out out there? You know, we have uh, SQL document stores, key value stores. Is there other examples of other object graphs out there? I I don't think that uh, that I can give a, a a good example for that. I mean that that's why Realm wrote their database engine themselves because they really could not reuse anything else uh, for that purpose. Um, you know, key value storage is just, you know, um, basically a, a hash, hash story, a dictionary. Um, SQL databases are tables that could be related by, you know, numerical IDs, but that's pretty much it. Um, I guess, I'm guessing that um, Facebook is running on their own custom object graph storage of some sort, but I'm really not knowledgeable about this. Um, but it makes sense that they would have something like that. Speaking of object graphs, can you explain how relationships work? Uh, you can have, I know you can have collections and you can point to other objects, but it's very different from what people are used to doing with the table-based approaches where you use some sort of identifier. How, how do relationships work on Realm? Right. So um, do you mean how they work in the storage or how do they work from the developer's point of view? 
we can do both. I think uh, both are very interesting. Right. So, you know, and from the developer point of view, um, the relationships work exactly the same way as you have, you know, as you're using um, objects in memory. So if you have, if you have your uh, person's struct and it has one of the properties is an array, it's called friends. And then that array, uh, you know, will will contain, will store a list of other pro uh, other structs, maybe each of them called friend and so forth. And then each friend can also, you know, have properties that are other objects and so forth. So you're kind of like used to, um, in your code, in your own code, you're used to do things like, um, you know, person dot friends at index two dot um, something else like a, a phone number or something like that and so forth and so forth. So you always just, you know, um, access the properties by adding a dot and just, you know, quoting that property. Um, so, and this will then navigate the, the graph of objects in memory uh, for you. And then you can just make your way to, to the data that you want to have. And um, when you're using realm objects, it works exactly the same way. Uh, if your object is is, um, is having a property, which is another object, you can just you know put in a dot there and the name of the property, and then you're already accessing the the object that's being referenced. So it's kind of like very natural um, when you're when you're used to programming in Swift. It's just it's just the, the same basic thing. Um, you can reference properties in in the same way, um, and how it works um, internally is that you will have um, all objects basically stored uh, stored in in storage, and each of them will have a unique unique uh, identifier, uh, which is kind of like the pointer to that to that um, to that object. And so when when uh, you know your person um, object is stored on disk and has a collection of friends, that will be a collection of these unique identifiers that um, with a O1 complexity will then uh, basically take you to that other object as well. And so this is how it works in the storage. Uh, in the code, it's just uh, completely transparent. Uh, just put in a dot, access the property. Uh, if that property is not an object, just put another dot, access more properties and so forth. So that's cool. Uh, one of the things that we wanted to talk about was Realm Cloud. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. So um, as said in the beginning, um, there are two parts to Realm, uh, to, to actually two products. Um, one is the free and open source database. So the database is completely uh, open source. From uh, It's been a free product from day one. You can see the core, uh, core database engine source in C++ on GitHub. And then, um, you know, for the different platforms, there is a Java repository that, that works with the C++ core. There's a Swift repo that works with the uh, core. There's an Objective-C uh, and so forth and so forth. JavaScript, uh, Kotlin, and, and uh, all of these languages just basically, you know, kind of like a use the, use the C++ engine on top. And these are all open source. You can access them on, on GitHub. Um, and then the second product is the Realm platform. And so the platform is basically the commercial product of Realm, um, which is making all of this possible, of course, uh, you know, for all of this to be free. Uh, <laughs> um, it makes it possible. And the platform is a server product that um, helps you synchronize automatically uh, 
data from your uh, Realm database. So you can uh, connect uh, your your Android app and your iPhone app that are both running Realm. You can connect them to the same server and they will synchronize data in real time. So anytime you make change on your um, Android phone, that will be sent immediately to the cloud and then it will be pushed down immediately to the, to the iPhone app. So, uh, you know, things like uh, real-time collaboration apps like, um, I don't know, uh, chats or, or things that have to do with location, things like this. Um, these are very uh, relatively easily, I mean, a chat is never easy to build, but uh, they're relatively easier <laughs> to build with, with the Realm platform. Um, and so the platform is the server product. Uh, and, and if you are a big, big, uh, a big company, big corporation with their own server infrastructure, you can just buy a license and install the server component and then connect all your clients to it. Um, if you're a startup or in a smaller company or you just want to give it a try and so forth, um, then you just go straight to Realm Cloud. And then you can uh, first start uh, with a free trial and then I think it's uh, something around $30 a month. Um, just actually, just have, let me have a look at the website just to be you sure. You can also install the Realm object server on your own server and, and then it's free. Uh, it doesn't have all of the features of the paid version, but I know I've done that just to try it out and it's very easy to set up if, you, if you're already familiar with basic server management and it works very well and the the cool part is that you don't have to do anything basically you just configure your realm to sync and it does it transparently it's just like the live objects thing we talked about uh, with different threads and processes but applied to the the internet so if you change the object on one device it's going to change on the other, uh, yeah, exactly. It's it's pretty much the same concept, but uh, but uh, applied to to uh, you know to a multitude of, of clients that are that are being connected, um, and and uh, yeah. Now I have the 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 cloud page open, so you can start with the free free trial with the cloud, and then pay thirty dollars a month. Uh, and the limit for that plan is 10,000 simultaneous connections. Uh, so you can have as many users as you want, but uh, the limit is to 10,000 of them are using the server at the same time. Uh, and then for the self-hosted platform, I think it's something like a 2K a year or so. Um, and of course, you don't have any limits then on your own infrastructure. Uh, of course. So My, you've been yeah. you've been you've been busy. So you've written a book on Realm. I did. Yeah the 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 book was uh, yeah. I yeah I was at many Realm events um, last year and the year before, and I spoke to so many developers, uh, and it looked and it felt like uh, you know many of them had uh, similar or exactly the same questions. Um, so. You know, I just gathered this this experience from from very many uh, events, conferences, uh, meetups, uh, uh, presentations, and kind of like a 
condense that that kind of experience uh, and just you know put put together put down a list of things that I really want to cover and then just sit down uh, and and draw the book from beginning to stuff to 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 the end. And it, the the idea is that the book will you know uh, get you started with Realm if you have never experienced it and then bring you to to a level of knowledge that that will be enough to uh, you know develop professional apps. Uh, so no, no test apps, no hello world apps. Uh, I mean, of course, the first project in the book is a hello world, but uh, uh, the 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 main part of the book is is mostly uh, real life projects that uh, make sense um, for what you might need to do uh, in your day job, for example. And so it covers the database. Uh, for 12 chapters and then there's one chapter at the end which shows you how to get everything you learned and connect it to the cloud um, so it kind of kind of brings you from zero to here okay is that book available now what, what's the title oh yeah um, that book is available right now and the title is Realm Colin <laughs> Building Modern Swift Apps with Realm Database so, uh, and it's available at raywendelick.com. Um, I guess we're going to put in a URL or something uh, in, the, in the show notes. Yeah, we'll have a link to it in the show notes. We actually okay. have a copy of this to give away to, uh, to one of our listeners. So we are going to do that. And the way we've decided to do that is if if you're listening and would like to enter for a chance to win uh, Marin's book, tweet at the iFreaks Twitter account. Um, with something indicating that you're interested, it's it's at iFreaks on Twitter. Uh, we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well, and we'll pick somebody at random and uh, and send them a copy of the book. We'll probably wait uh, one week after the after this show is released uh, before we pick someone. So if you're listening to this now, uh, tweet at us and and get your name in the pot. Um, and just to you know. To just to spice it up a notch, um, that's a digital copy of the book. And the good thing about all Rare Link books is that digital copies self-update uh, each year. And so every year you we put an update to all all the books, basically to bring them to the latest iOS version or the latest Xcode version and so forth. So when you have the digital copy, you just go to Rare Link, log in with your account, and then you just download the new version uh, absolutely for free. Yeah, that's one of the great things about uh, ebooks. I actually like the reading experience for paper books better, but they don't self-update and things change fast. So it really makes sense for tech books. It does make sense um, to a large degree. Yeah, there's a startup idea right there: self-updating textbooks. Uh, I'm. I. I really. Don't can't imagine the details right now, but it does sound like something that people will enjoy. So let's talk more. <laughs> it would be kind of tricky to do for the paper ones. Yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, technology can advance pretty fast, so maybe it's possible next year. Always next year. So we're running a little bit low on time. Anything else we should cover before we get to the picks? Uh. Learning wrong book. I have something that's a little a little bit off uh, off the track of what we've been talking about, but it's interesting to me. You mentioned um, before the show that you, or I think you actually mentioned at the beginning of the show that you were a developer evangelist for Realm, and that, um, one of the things that you did was help organize the Realm World Tour. Yeah, and 
uh, we actually hosted a a stop of the Realm World tour. Um, I did at work uh, last year, um, and I thought that was really fun. And that's something that not every company does. And I, I kind of wanted to hear about your experience with that and um, what kind of value you got out of actually going around the world and talking to people. Uh, right. Sure. So, um, so at, I spent I think about two years at Realm, and we were working on. You know all kind of possible ways to um, to engage with developers to make it more interesting for developers to engage with us and to help them um, along along the process and so and so we wanted to you know make a make a connection that we felt like we did not have um, to the degree that we wanted to have it because you know at a, at a point we were just um, you know, crashing random meetups in, you know, kind of like talking about Realm, but uh, every time we had a different presentation, there was different people. Um, and that was happening just on a very, very sporadically. Uh, and so we were brainstorming how to, how to, you know, m- make something much bigger than that. Uh, and we came up with the idea of, of uh, developing this one, really awesome presentation with with really polished slides and and a really you know a, a a demo that that leaves a lasting impression with developers um and then have the same thing happen in you know in like many different locations and um and of course realm realm is not you know is not IBM it's not the, it's not a large corporation that can just you know afford to you know fly of a bunch of people around the world for fun. Um, so we worked with, with local meetups, as you said, uh, we, we reached out and we, the one thing that was really amazing was that in each of these cities where, where we kind of like made our way to, there was a group, there was a, there was a company or a local meetup or so forth that was so happy to have us that, you know, they helped us, they, they navigated us around the city. They they uh, helped us you know, receive our swag there. They helped us, you know, like organize everything to get food and drinks and so forth. So uh, it it has really been a community effort. Uh, definitely has been just everybody coming together and helping a little bit and then making that event happen. Um, and so and so of course um, the. The biggest benefit for for Realm um, from the Realm World Tour <laughs> was, of course, making a personal connection with with developers who are interested in the product uh, in all of these locations. Um, and and I must say that people came and you know some of them heard for the very first time about Realm, and some of them were you know already experienced and had had uh, specific questions in mind to ask us. But the actual conversation uh, and the questions that were asked and the points that were made, all of these, um, you know, I would say improved the product by by uh, to to a large degree. Um, because when you hear uh, people ask for the same thing over and over again in in different continents in different cities, you really you you really have a different perspective on on um, on that problem on that issue. So a lot of a lot of things were addressed based on everything that we heard, 
um, on that tour. And of course, we made a lot of connections with with people who were interested um, in being closer to the company and trying out new stuff and trying out the beta software and so forth and so forth. Um, so this was, you know, this was the primary um, outcome of the Realm Tour, World Tour. Um, we had um, a number of, of speakers. We sent them to all kinds of different places. It was really fun. Yeah. We had fun hosting it. Um, I thought it, it was done very well and, and run very well. And, you know, we helped, but nothing was a lot of trouble. And uh, we had a good turnout. And I thought it was a cool thing that you guys did. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, and, of, and, and again, like really without the, the local people that actually helped us, we couldn't have never have done this. You know, like how, how could, you know, like we, we are, most of us just, you know, spoke English to start with and then we were to countries when we were to china korea japan um you know hungary uh czech republic and it was all these places where you know we would not have made it on our own at all like completely not definitely not no 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 um so yeah it was really um a, a, a joint effort with the local communities and that was i think that 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 is why it had this this positive Know, feeling afterwards for, for you know for the people for the people involved it was not it was not a it was not a sales presentation it was not a sales pitch uh, it was just really getting with with the developers and uh, and talking it through yeah cool well let's let's get to the picks want to automatically build test and release your iOS and Mac OS apps try app center Connect your repo within minutes, build in the cloud, test on thousands of real iOS devices, distribute to beta testers and Apple's App Store, and monitor real-world usage with crash and analytics data. Spend less time managing your app lifecycle and more time coding. Visit appcenter.ms and get started for free. Key, what do you have for us? I'm actually going to pick a live stream I did with uh, Ben Sherman from NS Screencast. We former iFreaks panelist. Yeah, we we did a live stream implementing a simple Mac app. So if you're interested in Mac development and you've never seen a Mac app get built, it's a very interesting live stream and uh, it's recorded. So I'm going to put the link in the show notes to the recorded video. I'll have to watch that. I was kind of jealous he didn't ask me to do it with him. <laughs> well, maybe we can do the three of us next time. <laughs> yeah, that seems fun. I'm I'm glad you guys did that. Andrew, what do you have for us? I am struggling and struggling to think of a pick. Um, I think I've picked this one before, but I'm going to pick it again because I got it out uh, recently and, and, and started using it again and, and really enjoyed it. And that's a... It's a it's a Mac app called Open Emu uh, for Open Emulator, and it's um, I don't know. It's just it's it's the kind of Mac app that made me fell in fall in love with Mac apps and Mac development a uh, long time ago. And you know, it's it's got a very skeuomorphic design, and it looks like something in many ways that was you know big in two thousand five two thousand six, but they've just done so much good work on it. Um, and it's it's also a really cool app. So it just emulates like pretty much every system you can think of, video game system, all the way from the Atari 2600 up to the PlayStation and uh, everything in between. Obviously, it doesn't 
some of the more modern consoles does not emulate because those are hard to emulate well. Um, but they've just they've just made a, a really really nicely done Mac app, super polished. So that's my pick. Very cool, um, Marine. Uh, do you have a pick for us? Yeah, um, I do have. Um, first of all, uh, I want to pick um, a book called Xcode Treasures. I hear that you guys have spoken with Chris Adamson uh, previously, but still, it's a it's an interesting book. I got it on an airplane and it was really nice to read through. Uh, I mean, I know most of these things because I'm using Xcode every day for a really long time. But uh, even in the first couple of chapters, I did find you know, one or two things that I did not know and they were quite important. So, um, you know, I think for for professional developer, it makes sense to at least count through and, and make sure that you're not really missing on something that uh, might you know, make your day a little bit easier. Well, very cool. Well, that's about all the time we have. Uh, Marin, if people want to get a hold of you, how can they do that? Um, yeah, uh, the easiest way is to go to my uh, website. It's called underplot.com. It's an underplot like the word.com. And there you have my GitHub, my Twitter, you know, all the books and so forth. Uh, just go there. Awesome. Will, will you be in San Jose in a couple weeks, in a month? Oh, unfortunately, I was I was already I was already in California um, last week um, for work, and uh, I think uh, flying again in a month will be a little bit too much for me. We have a we have an infant at home, and uh, I know it's it's uh, quite quite tense. <laughs> okay, I probably won't make it. Very understandable. <laughs> well, thanks a lot for coming on the show. Um, for everyone else, we'll see you next week. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. That was awesome. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.